We are speaking in these days on recovering the glory. And we're looking at passages in the Gospel of John. As we think about these things. Now we are praying that we might understand that to see the glory of God is something we see in our spirit. By a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Our dear brother Paul prayed for the Ephesian Christians. They were saved. They had faith, hope, and love. And through all of their life, they were growing in the Lord. But you remember our brother's prayer for them. That they may have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. This is the very matter we're speaking of this day. We want to read a, a portion from John chapter 3. The familiar story of Jesus and Nicodemus. As we look to this matter of the Lord recovering his glory. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs which you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from, where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, 
Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. 我实实在在地告诉你，我们所说的是我们知道的，我们所见证的是我们见过的，你们却不领受我们的见证。If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? 我对你们说地上的事，你们尚且不信；呃，若说天上的事，如何能信呢？ And then just down to verse thirty-four. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. In these last days, the Spirit's burden is to recover the glory to his church. We have spoken for a few times on this matter. And we have seen that the glory manifests in two ways. There is that glorious manifestation when all can see God's power and glory. When the tabernacle was constructed or the temple was built, the glory came down as fire upon those things. And one day, the church, his bride, will be glorious. Shining with the life and the glory of Jesus Christ. But that time has not yet come. But there is another manifestation of glory. Which the Jews call the Shekinah glory. This is not a fire over the temple. It is something not seen. Yet something that is manifest. It's a spiritual sense of the presence of God. And so when Jesus came to earth, John's testimony is this. We saw Jesus, a man in the flesh. And yet as we beheld him, we saw something spiritual. The Shekinah glory of God. We saw in Jesus, God's glory. Full of grace and truth. Now this is something perceived by those who behold spiritual things. Many saw Jesus and thought he was just a man. But John had spiritual eyes. And he could see beyond Jesus' flesh to the glory of God beneath. 
You remember in Luke chapter 17. And the Pharisees were asking Jesus when the kingdom of God would come. And Jesus said something mysterious. In a sense, he said, the kingdom has not come. But the kingdom has come. And then verse 20 and 21 is what Jesus said. Now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And here we see this mystery once again. While Jesus was on this earth, the kingdom of God was on earth. But in him, and unless you saw it in him, you didn't see it. Where is it? There? Is it there? People looking for an outward government and all kinds of outward things. And also today. Now where is the kingdom of God? Well, you can't see it by signs to be observed. But if you have spiritual life, if you look at the church, behold, the glory of God in Christ Jesus, in His church. This was often Paul's prayer of benediction. Unto Him, the glory in the church. And the Lord, until the day He comes back, is building glory into His church. This is a work of recovery. And we also want to connect it with one other thing. Those who develop the spiritual eyes to see the glory. These are the sons of God. God wants us to grow up from little children into sonship. And in order for us to come into such sonship, we must have spiritual eyes to see through the sacred word the Lord Himself. So we're talking about this Shekinah glory. The glory that can be spiritually seen. And I, I, I put it in this simple way. At the beginning, all of us are sea adders. But the Lord wants us to become see-throughers. Now what's a see-adder? Now we're not talking about a sea-otter, our favorite animal. <laughs> this otter, I think everyone loves this animal. He swims on his back, he eats the oysters. He's got the right word? I've just said it's an animal. Doesn't make sense. No, no, no. no. <laughs> 
So it's very special animal. It's my wife's favorite animal. She wants us to buy one, put it in our bathtub. What is a sea adder? How many of you were sea adders? Everybody. That's the way we look at things. I look at you. I see at you. I see who you are. Gray hair, black hair. Glasses, no glasses. I see at. But do I see through? Do I see your spirit? That's another matter. And we find ourselves most frequently judging one another by what we see at. What Paul insists as new creations. We no longer should view one another according to the flesh. In other words, see adding. Because everyone who's born again is a spiritual being. And the Lord is transforming us. In our former life, we were body, soul, and spirit. The spirit counted little because we were virtually dead. But he's transforming us into spirit, soul, and body. Where the main characteristic that can be seen is our spirit. Now John has written his gospel. Now we know he's written the gospel to present Jesus Christ to unbelievers. But he has also written the gospel to recover the church. And this necessitates sons seeing Jesus' reality in the outward church. Let me put it to you this way. When we see the seven churches in the book of Revelation, we have a picture of the churches in the last days. Look at those churches. They're full of compromise. They're full of wrong teaching. They're full of men who have predominated and taken over. As Jesus put it, when you see the church, you see leaven has come in. You see that there's compromise. And there's much that is lacking. Even tears have gotten in with the wheat. So Jesus predicted in his mysteries of the kingdom parable. But in the first chapter of Revelation, we see the principle that I am speaking upon. John saw on the Isle of Patmos his glorious Lord Jesus. You remember in the gospel he saw 
the glory of God in Jesus. But now he saw not just the Shekinah glory, the full glory of Jesus in all of his array of holiness and righteousness and strength. It was overwhelming to John and he fell down as a dead man. Now, but what happened as a result? Because he saw the glory of Jesus, he saw the seven churches in a different way. Not those churches in spiritual decline. When you see the glory of Jesus, and you see him touching the church, you see that the church is a golden lampstand. In other words, you see the church as it really is in spiritual reality. Do you see the Lord in his church? You see, we have a choice. We can see things by just an outward view. We can see false doctrine. We can see bad leaders. We can see divisions. Look at the church as a whole. We got megas. We got minis. We have some unholy church. And all of that sort of thing. Now we have a choice. We can look at those outward things. Of course, we will become discouraged. Or we can see the Lord of glory. And the Shekinah glory in his church. And John suddenly realized. There's gold here. What is the goal? Jesus is among the overcomers. Those who love the Lord. Their goal. The Lord is preparing them to be His bride. Through all of the outer confusion. I would be so bold as to say in every church of born again people around this world, despite compromise, Great problems. There's gold. I spoke to a brother one day. And we were talking in a, in a larger group about all the problems of their fellowship. And we had a little break time, and I said to the brother, Well, what do you think of all of this fellowship? These People dividing and disagreeing. Here's what he said. I look for the gold. Now we have many brothers and sisters here. The Lord is building glory into you. 
transformation from glory to glory. It begins in our spirit. And moves through our soul and our body. Outwardly, we may not see the gold. But if you're looking for gold, you will see it. There are golden ones. There are ones, no one's perfect. But the Lord's glory is in His church. The Lord's salvation is so great. So there must be glory in the church. No matter how difficult the situation is, but those who see that glory, those who are see-throughers, those see overcomers, you look and you see. There are those bearing the testimony of Jesus. There are those preparing themselves to be a glorious bride. And occasionally, maybe even a fellowship, as weak as it may be, who is holding to the word of God and seeking beyond its sacred page to see the Lord. Some fellowship that knows and fears the holiness of the Lord. And the Lord calls them Philadelphia. Of all those churches, the only one that was not rebuked in any way. Oh, in the church of Philadelphia, when you read it there in, in, in Revelation chapter 3, you don't see a great manifestation of glory. But look at them. Look how they love the Lord. Look how they love one another. The very meaning of Philadelphia. Look how they hold to the word of His promise. Look how they know. They know the Holy One. And the Lord says that's gold. So the Lord is recovering gold in His church. Now in John's Gospel, it lets us see some of this work of the Spirit who is producing gold. And at present, I'm defining gold as sons, mature sons. Or let me define it as Paul defines it in Romans 8.14. Who are sons? Here's a simple definition. He says in Romans 8.14 For all those who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This matter of being led by the Spirit of God enables one to see through and to be one who is pursuing the glorious goals. 
And here we read this portion in John chapter 3. And we want to look at the story and the, the picture we see of the Holy Spirit there in John chapter 3. Now you're all familiar with this story. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Now Nicodemus is a But he says in his testimony, I saw the signs that you did. Now he doesn't mention which one. But what does that tell you about Nicodemus? He was seeing something beyond. I see the miracles, but they're a sign of something. He didn't even know what the sign was, but there's something behind those miracles. He said, no one can do the signs you do unless you come from God. So teach me, teach me. Now here is an honest seeker. You know, we basically say all Pharisees are bad. But they were probably overcomers among the Pharisees. Those truly trying to live a righteous life. Something that Jesus did fascinated him. He was a searcher. But there was a mis- one misconception he had. This is a misconception that we have even as Christians. He came to the teacher to be taught. He thought he could understand things of the Spirit with his natural mind. Jesus, just tell me what's going on. What's going on behind us? I see the signs. What is it? But Jesus did not teach him at all. I'm sorry. You can't join my school. Because there's something missing. You have a good mind. You're trying to keep your body free from sin. But your spirit is dead. I have nothing to teach. For I teach a man's spirit. And unless a man is born of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. How can I speak to you about spiritual matters of the kingdom? The hidden Shekinah that's even dwelling right now on this earth. Your spirit is not alive. And so Jesus did not uh, answer or teach him anything. And the story is left unresolved. Nicodemus didn't throw off his Pharisee robe and become the 13th disciple. But we see two things later on in John that teach us something. Nicodemus has been born again. If you look in John chapter 7 and verse 50, the Pharisees gathered together to determine how to kill Jesus. But in verse 50, in the council, Nicodemus the Pharisee intervenes on Jesus' behalf. 
Nicodemus, who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears him and knows what he is doing, does it? 内宗有尼哥底母就是从前去见耶稣的对他们说不先听本人的口供不知道他所做的事难道我们的律法还定他的罪吗 And then they said, are you, a Gal- are you from Galilee? 他们回答说, now they're rebuking Nicodemus. But why does Nicodemus come out from hiding? Probably if Nicodemus says, yes, let's get him and kill him right now. He would have been killed a year too early. Hmm. Do you think something happened in Nicodemus? Well, John wants us to know something happened. So we turn to John chapter 19. And we find a strange character at the burial site of Jesus. And in verse 39 of chapter 19, Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about a hundred pounds weight. And he brought a couple of hundred dollars worth of ointment. Which the sisters applied to the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus helped them even put him in the tomb. What do you think? Do you think Nicodemus would do that if he weren't born again? Well, we don't. We can only surmise. But I think John understands that we see that. But what happens spiritually, Jesus explains back in chapter 3. In verses 7 and 8, he says this. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now it would seem that Jesus is speaking some kind of abstract statement. But it's not that at all. Jesus is describing what is happening as he speaks in the life of Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus. Asked some questions. Jesus made some statements. Nicodemus' mind did not understand. But Nicodemus began to feel 
breath of the Spirit started blowing upon him. Blowing upon his conscience. Blowing upon his heart. Something deeper than words was happening. If as if he were saying, Nicodemus, do you feel it? I know, you have no idea where it comes from. You have no idea where it's going to end up. But you feel at this very moment. Something is raising you to life. As God blew the breath of life into Adam, he became a living being. So the Spirit was blowing into this searching, hungry man. Jesus later in the Gospel of John explains this mysterious feeling. When the Spirit comes and you are born again. Let's turn to that portion in John chapter 16. On the night he was betrayed, we know that Jesus only shared very important things. And Jesus spent quite a bit of time in chapters 14, 15, and 16 speaking to the disciples about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And here he speaks about the Spirit's sovereign work upon the hearts of unbelievers. Beginning in verse 7, we read, Now I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe me. So here is a person careless and casual about their sin. And then the spirit begins to blow. And their conscience begins to sense their sin. Without a word being spoken, the Holy Spirit convicts the conscience of sin. And verse uh, uh, 10, and concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you see me no longer. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to somebody. Now Jesus has gone up and you can't see him anymore. But on this earth, the Spirit begins to speak to a heart. Do you see Jesus on the cross? 
He died for you. To make you righteous. Do you see Jesus? You see him on the cross. He died for you. Do you know even at this time? Thousands of Muslims in the Middle East are seeing visions of Jesus. And what did they see? Overwhelmingly, the testimony is they see Jesus dying on the cross. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 10, sorry, verse 11, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Oh, how careless we are as sinners. We're sure we're going to live forever. But the Holy Spirit begins to convict. You're under judgment. The ruler of this world has been judged. Judgment is coming. Do you want judgment? Or do you want to be saved? This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? And we see, even in this, that there's a deeper mystery. Can I call it the threefold work of the Trinity? Because God so loved the world. That the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved in our salvation. The first thing we see, is Jesus tells us in John several times, when people started going away from him, the disciples said, Don't, don't let him go away. Jesus said this. Unless the Father draws them, no one can come to me. Now, now we see even back further in the mystery of our salvation. Before you and I even knew what happened. In John 6.44, Jesus said that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. We see in Nicodemus this being worked out. Somehow, before the foundation of the world, the Lord had chosen Nicodemus as one of His. And so, out of all the Pharisees, we only know of two that were drawn to Jesus. Nicodemus and Saul. What drew him? Unless the Father draws him. Do you see the threefold work? Here it is. The Father mysteriously draws us. And as a result, we come to Jesus as Father and the Son. And when we come to Jesus, the Spirit breathes upon us and we're born again. Isn't that wonderful? Now there may be somebody here in this room. Now you're listening. Why are you here? Somebody invited you. Maybe they bribed you with good dim sum after the meal. <laughs> Why are you here? Behind it all, the Father may be drawing you. 
What's he drawing you to do? Let's just say this wouldn't happen. Let's say the father started drawing Nicodemus. But he never came to Jesus. Would he have been saved? No. Because then the Spirit can't act. There's a bridge between the Father and the Spirit. You must come to Jesus. So the Father behind the plan has drawn you here today. Now, will you come to Jesus? If you do, I want to come to Jesus. Suddenly, you feel a blowing. The Holy Spirit your you begin to think the thoughts of a savior and a sinner and somehow in the midst and if we asked everybody here how they got saved everybody's story would be different but the same threefold process holds true the father drew you you came to Jesus and the spirit made you born now do we see that this process. Let, let me ask you this question. We have an upcoming gospel meeting. A couple of Sundays. Now you're being asked to invite a friend. To invite, invite a relative. To go out on the street and hand out the tracts. Now how great is God? Do you think that there may be somebody who's been drawn by the Father to Jesus out there by the library? And they're going to be there for some reason to return an overdue book. At 10.30 in the morning. And you meet them with a track. And they see something about Jesus. Their curiosity is around. They come to the gospel. And the Spirit goes, and they don't know what happened. They say, if something happened, go on upstairs. Now, how many times if somebody goes upstairs, they say, I don't know what happened. I still have many questions. But something's happening, I don't know. And you say, let's pray together. And they start praying. And they start crying. What happened? The Holy Spirit breathing. Life, life. Now you are one of those. Privileged with the opportunity of finding someone being drawn by the Father. And being one of those to say, here, come to Jesus. That's what our gospel meeting is all about. Now, do you see through? Or do you see at the gospel meeting? Oh, I need to invite somebody. I'm going to invite my relative. Let's see, this is 29 times I've invited my relative. I don't think they're listening. You let the Father do the drawing. 
Let the Spirit do the breathing. Do you see through? Do you remember what Jesus told the disciples in chapter 4 of John? In John chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus sees something with eyes of the Spirit which the disciples don't see. In John 4:35, he says, "Do you not say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest." Now you see, the disciples were looking at the Samaritans. They say, hmm, this field's not ripe. Samaritans hate the Jews. Nobody can get saved. Let's eat our McDonald's and go over to Judea. But Jesus is, look again. A whole town of men. And this woman got saved. Just hearing the gospel. Look again. These Samaritans are ripe for harvest. The Spirit is breathing. But the disciples are where? where? Oh, they need eyes to see. Now, here we are. We look over the harvest of the Chinese in, in uh, Flushing. This field's not ripe. They're all worldly. Look at what they're wearing. Look how they bark and shout at each other. Ah, uh, feels not white. So Jesus says, wait, open your eyes. Look again. There's somebody there so hungry. They just need to find a way. You see, this is the eyes of sonship. They don't see at people. They see through people. They see that spiritual hunger lying deep underneath. And so this I want to now simply apply to us. Because it's his disciples, like his own twelve disciples, we have to learn to move from being sea adders to see through. Now let's go back to the basics. Why did John write the gospel? That you might look at the signs that Jesus did and that seeing the signs you may see through them. Now this is written not only to unbelievers, but the Christians as well. To see through to God's purpose. Why am I going through this difficulty? I keep staring at the difficulty. Can I see through it? God has a purpose in this We see Jesus. Can we see the logos of His Spirit behind us? So the Lord is trying to bring us from being little children 
所以主要让我们从做婴呃小朋友 ，to being sons who can see through， 作为成熟的儿子能够看透事情。Now I spoke several times on fathers from First John， 所以我提到许多次关乎到父老。Now anybody remember how fathers are defined？ 那父老你怎么解释他呢 ？When John says twice, I write to you fathers， 我写给你们父老。Who have known him, who is from the beginning. You have known him, who is from the beginning. You have known him, who is from the beginning. You have known him, who is from the beginning. You have known him, who is from the beginning. You have known him, who is from the beginning. You have known him, who is from the beginning. You have known him, who is from the beginning. You have known him, who is from the beginning. So we need to have the eyes of our hearts open. And in the last days, this is vitally important. In the last days, this is vitally important. Because Jesus Himself is speaking to the church. So Jesus is speaking to the church. And He says in Revelation two and three. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is speaking. We need eyes to see. 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 Now let's just see three things. We need eyes to see. 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 约翰福音提到三个 moments of crisis， 就是危机的三个危机。The issue is what do you see？ 所以你看见的是什么 ？The challenges， 这个这个问题在 to see through， 你需要看透 to what's really going on， 看见真的发生的这个真背后的故事。Now let's turn to John four， 我们看约翰福音第四章。We'll read two verses， 只读两节圣经。And look at the first crisis， 所以看到第一个危机。In verse twenty-one, Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, "Jesus said to her, 'Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father.'" Jesus said, "Woman, you believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father." But the hour is coming, and now is. When true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. 时候将到，如今就是那真正拜父的，要用心灵和诚实拜他，因为因为父这样的人拜他。Now the Samaritans had built a very beautiful temple on Mount Gerizim. 所以在基利西山上。这个撒玛利人他们建造了一个很漂亮的一个呃庙 ，and that's where they were called to worship. 啊，他们就在那边敬拜神。Now the Jews had their temple in Jerusalem. 所以犹太人在耶路撒冷有圣殿。And when it came to the feasts, you had to go to Jerusalem to offer your sacrifices. 所以当这个过节的时候，他们必须来到耶路撒冷去过节。So the issue was. 所以问题在这边。What is worship? 那敬拜是什么？ Is it outward? Is outward? Is worship to you coming to a place like this on Sunday morning? 敬拜就是你每个主日来到这个地方来敬拜吗 ？And we worship together. 让我们一起敬拜吗 ？Well, that's wonderful. 这是非常的美好的。We call this a worship time. 我们说这是敬拜的时候。我们就一起包饼。But do you see through? 所以，但是你有看透这个事吗 ？Do you realize that worship? Isn't a matter of singing the right songs or praying the right prayers. So, 敬拜不是唱对的歌，不是祷对的告
the worship can be done anywhere. Worship is not limited to Sunday in Flushing. Now, how many of you worshiped on Saturday? Friday. Not in Flushing. Unless you live here. Have you seen through? But Father is not seeking a weekly worship. Nor just did we sing good song. Let me ask you a question. We sang songs this morning. Now, why do we sing songs? It's because these are four people here already see Jesus and they're worshiping. And they ask for a song. Now, somebody's here, but they were late. They're still putting on their makeup. They still haven't turned off their phone. They're not worshiping. But maybe this song. Will make a transition. And will look beyond the worship song and see the Lord. It's good to worship with songs. It's good to worship with prayers. If you will keep listening, even though you just see adding and not see through it, if you listen, doesn't if you join and sing, the Lord will touch your heart and you'll break through into the Holy of Holies and there worship God. Songs, prayers are just vehicles. If we say, oh, I had a great time of worship today, you say, How come? Because they sang my favorite song. See through. When we come, why have we come? Because the Lord is seeking worshipers in spirit and in truth. Not just the Samaritan woman, but the disciples were dependent on Jerusalem themselves. That's why they had to ask Jesus, what are you doing? When in the morning he went out into the fields of Galilee and went Abba, Abba, and worshipped his father. The disciples said, Teach us to pray like that. And so many, many Christians they repeat the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. It's a wonderful prayer. So we say, Jesus, teach us to pray. Then we all say, Our Father who art in heaven, I'll be thy name, thy kingdom. But no, the Lord is teaching us how to pray to the Lord, not what to pray. That prayer is a vehicle. But you see my point. Now let's turn to John 6 63. Jesus makes this amazing statement. They were at a crisis point. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit 
and life. Now they were at a crisis about the body and blood of the Lord. Now Jesus started the crisis. He said to these followers, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. Now they were sea adders. They heard that word. What is he talking about? We're not going to eat his body. We're not going to drink his blood. What is he talking about? And so many left. And Jesus turned to those who stayed. He says, Don't you understand? Why do you come to the Lord? Is it so you say, oh, I took a, a magic cracker, took some magic wine, and now I'm saved? He says this It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I speak are spirit and life. A crisis of worship. You profit nothing if you just took the bread and the cup this morning. You chewed a little bit of it. Had one drop of wine. But did you see through that moment? Did you see? Spiritually, you were eating and drinking the Lord. It's the Lord. He's here with us. As we break the bread together. You see, this is so many Christians have never seen through the Lord's table. Now, thank God we have the table. Often the brother says as he's introducing it. What does he say? These are tokens. This is nothing that there's something magical in. But they're tokens of the presence of the Lord with His beloved children. And so when we come to the table, our preparation should be to get beyond just a sea adding and in spirit see through to this holy moment. And then one last crisis. I always run out of time. I have in John chapter 7, another familiar passage regarding the Holy Spirit. In verses 37 through 39, it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this, he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
从他腹中出流出活水的江河来，耶稣这话是指着信他之人要受圣灵说的。那时候没有赐下圣灵来，因为耶稣赏味得荣耀。Now here is just the third crisis simply presented。所以这个第三个危机，很简单的摆设在我们面前。It was on the last and great day of the Feast of Tabernacles。所以在这个呃呃呃祝棚节最后一天，This was a day filled with worship and ritual。the Levites were blowing the trumpets the choir was singing their greatest song the priests were in their finest array they were bringing water to the temple oh it was a big day they're all worshipping and it's at that very moment that Jesus said this do you want religious ritual or life if any man is thirsty after you've done your your rituals of worship and singing of songs do you go home unchanged? Is that as far as you go? Oh, if you are thirsty. You know all those rituals will not satisfy. As the scriptures say, he who believes in me, out of his innermost being will come rivers of living water. What is our faith? Is it ritual? Things we believe? Devotions we have? Oh yes, and much more. Our Christianity is a life lived in union with Christ. It's out of that life that rivers of living water flow your life overflows with life and people see the life and they get thirsty this is our life not just I'm a Christian I don't smoke and other things like that but I I am full of Christ and Christ flows through rivers of living water is this our life? It's a crisis. Many Christians say the rituals is enough. The meetings are enough. No, no, that's just the beginning. It's life. Rivers flowing. Out to others. Nothing more wonderful. So we, Jesus is trying to recover all those precious Christians who worship and yet are not satisfied. They know they're saved, but they don't know they're saved. They don't know Christ lives in them. Oh, they have so much to And by the Spirit of God, we come to the place where we see through something. We realize 
my Christian life is a life. Are you living your life? Is Christ your life? Then you flow in living water. So the Lord was always trying to teach his disciples. See through, see through. You see that? Now see through. You see this? It's just a sign. See through. All the things in your life. Things you're looking at. Maybe you're looking at your ugly husband. Can you see through? Maybe you're looking at a real problem. Can you see through? The Lord can take every situation in our life and build gold. May the will of God be known in our life. May we become sons who can see. And be transformed from glory to glory. This is how the Lord recovers His church. Let's just have a few prayers. We end this time.